Good morning, good afternoon, wherever you are, this is Chris and we're down here on the beach and I've got frozen feet. <laughs> for those of you who haven't heard the podcast before, for those of you who have yet, we know, Chris, we know. So today I wanted to talk about something really, I think it's really fascinating to me anyway, and that is the word infatuation. Infatuation. Firstly, uh, you know that nature put everything on this planet, everything. The universe put everything on this planet. So there can't be something that hasn't got a function. Anger has a function, sadness has a function, depression, it all has function. Everything, every single thing has a function. And if you know the function of it, you can respond in kind. In other words, if depression is about uh, evolution, or depression is about false expectations, then you can respond in kind and actually feel like you're being, even though you're enduring something that's a little difficult, feel like you're still part of a universe that has <coughs> love as its core. So now the question might be infatuation. What the hell is infatuation here for? And what's its purpose? What's its intent? Why did the universe put infatuation here? And why do so many people uh, get into so much trouble by subscribing to it? Infatuation. So let's describe it. Infatuation is the fundamental belief that there are more positives in something than negatives. So. Uh, if we get infatuated with a person, we believe that there are at least, at a minimum, five positives to every one negative, or 10 positives to every two negatives, or 15 positives to every three negatives, or 20 positives to every, you know what I'm saying. And it grows exponentially, actually. The feeling of infatuation although it may be a mathematical formula in the brain, infatuated means more positives than negatives, the feeling that comes from it is exponential. So when you see someone with five positives to one negative, you'll feel infatuated. But if you can actually multiply that out and see 10 positives to two negatives, you don't just feel twice as if uh, excited about that person, you feel three or four or five times. So, and that is infatuation explained. Infatuation comes from a part of the brain that is highly emotive, so it bypasses logic. So the, the got-to brain, the lowest part, and the should brain, they will not engage in infatuation. Only the need to brain, the part of the brain that is highly engaged in sensory experience, will participate in an infatuation. I've, I'm very prone to infatuation. You may deceive, perceive that. So I have to work very hard to use it for its purpose. So I know the purpose of infatuation very well. Well, let's talk about a few examples before we go on to uh, 
using infatuation for what it's meant for. The first thing is I have three children of my, of my loins, as you want to call it, or my blood. And without infatuation, I would not have three children. They were all birthed out of a horny night with a person or a situation where I became entirely infatuated with my partner, which means horny in another language. So infatuation breeds fertility. Well, that may give you a clue. That's a seagull, by the way. Uh, not me farting. Um, so infatuation, you may see from that, its first purpose on Earth is the replication of the species. Animals have it, humans have it, humans in their animal nature have it. When we get infatuated with someone, we get horny. When we get horny, we uh, copulate, and when we copulate, very often, uh, we create uh, the next species. So, Infatuation has as its core an essential ingredient, which means if you're not infatuated with your partner, you won't fall pregnant. If you're not infatuated with your partner, you won't get uh, attracted. So, one of the things I've done for many people over the years, when their relationship has gone to perfect balance or what's called perfect love and infatuation is dropped off and all that's left is unconditional love and so it's not very sexual and they want to make a baby instead of IVF I trigger I help them trigger the fertility chemicals in the body by reinfatuating those people with each other and that sometimes even reinfatuating an individual with the human genitals, which they've become resentful of or have a judgment of due to some uh, drama or trauma or dis, uh, unhappiness in the past, trust broken or whatever. So I have to re-engage the fertility chemicals in the body by reinfatuating. So there's one powerful reason why nature, the universe, has given you the loving gift of the word infatuation. The next one is keeping you alive. So if we were to all become content in all seven areas of life, satisfied, infatuation evaporates and our engagement in anything that would stimulate growth becomes questionable. So infatuation at its root stimulates growth. So you go, I want a new job, infatuation. I want a new boss, infatuation. I want a new car, infatuation. I want a new house, infatuation. I want a new partner, I want a new family, I want a new health, I want a new program, I want a new way of being, infatuation. So, the more traumatized we are, 
the more likely we are to become infatuated. So, some examples. When I went through my divorce, uh, my first of the six, I was traumatized. There's no other word for it. Really, really fucked up. And people offered me silver bullets to sort out that, that, that state of mind that I was in. It was, as you, as you know from previous stories, entirely depressed. So uh, one of those was another partner. I didn't work. I got infatuated, but my pain uh, of my divorce, it, the infatuation with that person wasn't strong enough to overcome the pain of the divorce. So then I got infatuated with Zen. And I did Zen, 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 Zen. And I became infatuated with Zen. And Zen came close to winning the battle, to becoming infatuated with Zen enough to usurp the pain of a broken family. That it was only strong while I was in Zen, in meditation, in a room with people. When I walked around the streets and saw other people kissing and cuddling on Valentine's Day, uh, everything turned to mud and puke. So I went back. So infatuation of that uh, particular solution sort of worked, but it didn't work in the real world because every time I was confronted with something that triggered or reminded me of my pain, the pain came up and was bigger than the, the pleasure. The next thing was going to Nepal and I climbed mountains and went up there and walked along. But, and I became infatuated with the idea of being a mountaineer and all this sort of stuff. But I got up there and realized you can die doing this shit. And I didn't want to die overcoming pain, which made me want to die. So it wasn't a solution. So although I fell in love with Nepal and found magnificent uh, realities in Nepal that were so healthy for me to know, I still, the pain of the divorce was still greater than any infatuation I'd met so far. I traveled around, I went in indigenous cultures and I worked, I did uh, sweat lodges with uh, First Nations and met all sorts of amazing medicine people who shook rattles over my head and eagle claws in my eyes and, and, and gave me all sorts of medicines to drink and puke. And, and while I was there, the infatuation of doing that was far greater than the pain of uh, the divorce. But eventually, uh, the infatuation wore off uh, and led me back to the pain. Then I uh, started doing uh, yoga. I met a woman in yoga, was the teacher, and I sort of fell in love. And yoga and the woman combined, and I started to think I'm over it. I'm actually, I found something I can be infatuated with that is far greater than the pain I was experiencing from losing my kids in a divorce. But then the losing the kids in the divorce escalated and I lost all my money in a court case. So, and they sailed off on a yacht. So the, as my infatuation started to escalate, 
so too did the source of the pain. It didn't go away, it didn't stay neutral. The next thing, I went off to India for six months and did yoga. And I got to say, in that period of time, I became so infatuated with yoga uh, that there was not even a memory of the divorce and the kids and things. I was immersed. The challenge of that was I had to unimmerse myself frequently throughout the six months because what, what doing intense yoga does, and nobody really understands this, it makes you violently sick. And uh, 40 years of drinking beers and eating meat and uh, enjoying life to the fullest, uh, when you bring that to a yoga class, to a yoga teacher in India, they've got to unpack all that crap and detox your body, and that makes you violently sick. So there was not one week in six months where I wasn't at the Ayurvedic doctor looking for herbs to stop me shitting or pissing or puking or pimpling or uh, crippling or crying or hair falling out or whatever it was. So, so the infatuation of yoga soon, soon wore, wore off and as it did, so too did the pain of my history start to re-emerge and come back in. So infatuation takes you on a journey. It's such a cool thing because every time you launch yourself into something spectacular that's going to solve your problem, the only problem with infatuation, what happens with it, is it leads to depression because infatuation is only necessary to escape from something that hurts. And infatuation never ever leads to the solution. But what it does, it triggers the search for it. So the long and the short of all this is until I went back and re-perceived that the experience that I'd had, which I was trying to run away from, the pain of the divorce, was actually not a pain at all. It was a pleasure and a pain. Until I actually solved the problem at the source, the infatuations did actually keep me alive and took me on some amazing journeys, which I learned a lot from, and I would never want to go back and not do it. So, so the benefit of infatuation is absolutely clear, that it takes you on a journey. It takes you to places you would not normally go. The drawback of it is it leads right back to the start because infatuation, as I said, is triggered by a pain the pain is a perception. If you really want to heal that pain, you have to go back to the perception and see there was a pleasure and a pain. And so finally, one day, someday, somewhere along the way, I came to the concept of a discard or nature's law and just go back and really have a look and say, was I really, really that hurt from a divorce? Well, the answer was no. Firstly, I wanted that damn divorce for 10 years during the last 13 years of our marriage. Second part, I was free. And I really didn't like the claustrophobia of the dynamic between myself and my ex. The third part was, I could actually make a choice now. Do I live a commercial life in which I work day and night just to put a roof over the heads and put a bigger and bigger roof and a bigger and bigger roof and a bigger and bigger roof? which was 
a paper chase? Or could I sit back and say, what's my purpose and do I take another path? Uh, one where there is a social equity in what I do and, and give and help those people very much like myself. So long and the short of it is, I went back and until such time as I went back and neutralized is, it's, is the best word for it. If you want to be very spiritual about it, until I went back and loved the thing I called the pain I was running away from, I would be continually seeking infatuations to solve it. And those infatuations are fantastic because they give you hope, but they don't give you solution. So nature is a beautiful, loving animal. She's, the universe is always giving you what you need. And even if someone says that thing you have got, infatuation or resentment or depression or claustrophobia or disappointment or frustration or stress, even if someone says it's bad, it's not. It's, it's the way the universe gives you love. Now, my job as your coach is to interpret that situation and find out how it is loving and save you the journey of infatuation. One of the books I've loved along this journey that I've been on myself, and I've read thousands, but one of the books I've loved is uh, the, what's it called? <laughs> the Miracle of the Conscious Mind. What's it called? The, Miracle of the Conscious Mind. The, I'll think of it in a minute. But anyway, Mind Valley is a company that has a leader who's now become a multi, multi capillionaire out of self help. And the way he's done it is he's fed infatuation the infatuation with knowing more, being more, doing more than everybody else in the world. So he has tapped this morning. He's tapped this incredible appetite we have to resolve a pain. Now, when I first saw this book, uh, it was referred to me by a client and uh, they were messed up. And I thought, well, if they're messed up and they've read the book, probably not the best thing on earth but I started to read it and he has this concept of this in the book called this unfuck withable and he's just come out with another word called uh, indistractable in, in which is a lovely play on the concept of indestructible so he has the ability on screen in his advertisements for his mind valley to seduce you by tapping into your need for an infatuation, something new, something fresh, something that you didn't do before that resolves a pain. And I read the book and I really enjoyed it. And for a little while, I got infatuated with what he was saying. But in the process, I also realized that my infatuation was leading me through more and more of his uh, 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 clickbait 
to sign up for more and more of his programs, to sign up for more and more of his retreats and to sign up for more and more of his training. And then I started to meet through just circumstances, people who'd done the training and done the work. And the promises that he was offering were infatuated. They were not real. And uh, suddenly I realized that this is another infatuation feeding process and that really if, if uh, because my pain was resolved and my source of inquiry was not to find another infatuated uh, paradigm because of that I stopped now that doesn't mean that it may be good for you to read and uh, as I say it's Mind Valley and I think the book is called Damn, it's something of the conscious mind, the the of the conscious mind, um, and and it's a great read. If you need an infatuated mindset to overcome some pain that you're going through right now, this may be good fun to do. It will, however, not be sustainable. It will be an infatuation. You'll spend money on it, and then you realise that it didn't solve the problem. I solved the problem by going back and looking for the nature's or the universe's gift in the pain that you are trying to run away from. I guess the soundbite that you may want to take away from this podcast today is uh, teachings are made to be stepped on, not stopped on. So infatuation leads you to a teaching. And it's, that's the beauty of it. That's its reason. That's why the universe has it. If we didn't have infatuation, we wouldn't learn more. But the teaching is there to help you solve a pain. The pain won't go away with the teaching. It will temporarily be blindsided, just like me going to India or going to Nepal or doing Zen or whatever I did along the way. And there's thousands of things I did that I didn't talk about. But each time the infatuation it takes you into a, a bright light but at the end of the bright light there's the dark light sitting there because the pain hasn't been dealt with the source of the pain is still in your mind real so teachings are made to be stepped on not stopped on so for those people i coach you will never see an end to the teachings that i deliver and you will never see uh, 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 me repeating uh, uh, the same teaching from the same viewpoint. I'm always trying to evolve the viewpoint. That's a really important piece because I anchor the solution to pain in nature's law because I think that is really the, 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 the journey we're all on is to resolve those uh, memories that are still causing to repeat themselves as Groundhog Day over and over again. But I think I also don't want to uh, deny the existence and the beauty of infatuation and what it's done for me and what it can do for you to get infatuated with a book, to get infatuated with what somebody says. But the soundbite that has to end this up and give you uh, the opportunity to, let's say, uh, stay on track <coughs> is teachings are made to be stepped on not stopped on now I've modified that because what it says the real quote is teachers are meant to be stepped on not stopped on well that wouldn't be smart for me to advocate because I'm a teacher and I don't want to be stepped on 
But if ever I stop learning and if ever I stop evolving and if ever I start repeating myself over and over again, like uh, blah, 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 and I don't get you infatuated with the next piece of the learning journey, uh, then it may be necessary to step on me rather than stop on me. In the meantime, teachings are made to be stepped on, not stopped on. And if you've read about Tai Chi or if you've read about yoga, it's not that it's wrong. It was just an infatuation. You'll eventually get over it and you'll have to step on it, include it in your life if you want, but step on it and move on. This is Chris. You have a beautiful day. Bye for now.